Welcome everyone to Last Song Standing. I'm Cole Kushner. And I'm Charles Holmes. And today we'd like to introduce you to a new show with a very simple premise. If you could only pick one song to define your favorite artist, which one would it be? In this first season of Last Song Standing, Cole and I will try to answer the question, what is the greatest Kendrick Lamar song of all time? By debating our way through his entire catalog, we're talking every single album, plus mixtapes, singles, and features. My man, Cole, how are you feeling? I'm great, man. I'm really excited for this. Welcome to the Dissect Podcast feed. You should probably tell people who you are, Charles. What's up? It is an honor to be on the dissect feed. I'm ready to be dissected, okay? <laughs> All right, and for those that don't know, my name is Charles Holmes. I've been a music writer for some years now. My work has appeared in Rolling Stone, Billboard, Complex, Fader. If it's a music magazine, I've probably written in it. But now I'm full-time at The Ringer. I host two yeah. podcasts, The Ringer Music Show and Midnight Boys. Pew, pew. And dog, I'm here along for the ride. But the people are wondering, just like, how did Charles and Cole become the bestest of friends? How did their friendship bloom? It's an unlikely pairing, right? It's a little bit unlikely pairing. Um, but I'll take the listeners back to the moment I knew I needed to start a podcast with you. <laughs> when the words oh, no. came out of Charles Holmes's mouth that Drake is a better yep. artist than Kendrick Lamar. He told mm -hmm. me this with a straight face. I knew I was horrified, but I also knew in that moment, okay, we got something because I was flabbergasted. Oh, you're the face that you had. <laughs> was beautiful it is when i troll that's the face that i look for <laughs> and to this day i stand on it i'm a drake fan i'm aubrey's angels but guys <laughs> fellas ladies this is not a drake podcast this is a kendrick podcast this is last song standing you know what i mean the award goes to kendrick lamar damn kendrick lamar and the grammy goes to to pimp a butterfly kendrick lamar i said my name is kendrick yeah, man. Tell them about tell tell them about the show. Yo, so I want to take people behind the curtains a little bit. When both of us were like, "Yo, we should do a show together," uh, there was this question that popped into our mind while we were arguing and debating. We're like, "What is the greatest Kendrick Lamar song?" And I think what's so hard to about that question is that Kendrick is an album artist. He's someone who gives you a complete world anytime he drops. So it's really hard to pick out a song and point to it and be like, no, that's his best. So we worked backwards from there and we're like, yo, let's make it, let's make it a game. So the rules of Last Song Standing are really, really simple. The broad thing we're doing all season is trying to figure out what the greatest Kendrick Lamar song is. But what we're doing every single episode, we're taking a project, we're taking a mixtape, any features, remixes he's done, and we're literally figuring out what the last song standing is. So if we have an episode that's about to pimp a butterfly, we take every single song onto pimp a butterfly, we debate it, we nominate our three choices. I have mine, Cole has his, and at the end of the episode, both of us have to crown the last song standing. And then at the end of the season, I'm going to have my list of picks. Cole is going to have his list of picks. It's going to be a Royal Rumble, a March Madness, a bracket system. We're knocking songs off. And then Cole and I will have to agree. What is the greatest Kendrick Lamar song of all time? Did I get everything? I think so, man. It's like in, when you when you spell it out like that, I'm just a little bit scared because this is kind of a <laughs> it's like kind of a daunting task, right? I mean, he has so many songs, he has so many great songs that it's just going to be very, very difficult to try to determine the best one. But should be fun. 
oh, it should be fun. And yo, you should let them know that I'm not, re- this isn't replacing the normal dissect episodes. This is oh, just yeah, yeah. wet people's whistle. It's a little bit of seasoning to get y'all through the summer. Okay. A little bit of, of a game and you guys need to play with us. Right. I want everybody to be yelling at us in the comments. Like <laughs> how good, how dare you choose the song as the best song off of damn. It's really blah, blah, blah. I want that, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yo, before we dive into the album that we are going to debate today, I want to know from you, Cole, what's your criteria for an artist's best song yeah i think for kendrick specifically it's got to represent who he is as an artist one song we can point to that hits all the markers of what makes kendrick Lamar a great artist so for me personally that is number one concept i think he does conceptual thematic records better than anyone living at this moment so that's going to be top tier top on my list it's got to have that number two of course lyricism bars flow cadence that's got to be i mean that's kendrick lamar is a great lyricist so it has to have some of that third and maybe a little bit lower on the list for kendrick specifically is production he's not a producer although he is more of an executive producer very much in control like puppet but not hands on the computer making the beats so this or for instance like kanye production would probably be number one but for kendrick a little bit lower but it's got to have great production value and then like i always say on dissect like it's got to have some kind of we can do all this analysis heady stuff but we've got it it's got to also affect you emotionally in a level that just hits you in your gut where you can't describe it but it moves you so much it's got to have some of that magic quality to it so those that's my criteria what about you i'm not going to be as well spoken as you cole you know that's not my job here my job here is to be the antagonist okay But what I will say is Kendrick Lamar, a lot of people consider him the best rapper going. So for me, I mean, he's not like, stop it. Cole, stop it. All right. He is, but go ahead. I let you have your five minutes, Cole. Can I have my time? Can I have my (laughs) time? Hey, producers, please put more time on (laughs) on the podcast. But yes, I think for Kendrick, you know, it has to have the depth of, of storytelling, of lyrics, of humanity, I think one of the best things that Kendrick is able to evoke, I think that's made him so popular, um, whether it's Good Kid, Mad City, to Pimp a Butterfly, damn, is he such a cinematic storyteller. And what he has really, really done throughout the past decade plus is he's kind of introduced the world, not only to what it's like to grow up in Compton, but he's introduced the world to what it is to be kind of like an 80s baby and to have grown up in a certain situation to be to be poor to grow up around death to grow up around where you know government and a society um because of structural and institutional racism has disadvantaged you and i think he's so good at that and i think the best songs some of the best songs are going to be bangers some of the best songs are really really going to just be very very deep moody cuts but i think everything that those things will have in common is like a humanity. And if somebody yep. has never heard a Kendrick Lamar song, you his best, you have to be able to sit them down and be like, I'm going to play you one song. And they can understand what makes him so special and what makes him a generational talent. And that is literally all of the credit I will give to Kendrick Lamar because <laughs> Cole is smiling. He's like, look at yeah, him. Look, I love at, this. look at you talking about my boy. <laughs> you're glowing. Yeah, you're glowing about <laughs> I'm Kendrick. I'm not That's glowing. Great. I am not <laughs> glowing. But it's time. Y'all been wondering, what album are we doing? Or you've probably read the title, so you know what album we're doing. (laughs) Let's get into our first album of this season. 
It's going to be 2012's classic, Kendrick Lamar's debut, Good Kid, Mad City. Dreams of living life like rappers do. Like rappers do. Like Bump that new E40 at the school. Bitch, don't get my vibe. Bitch, don't get my vibe. Every time I write these words, they become a taboo. Making sure my punctuation curve, heavy letter history. When the light shines, all right, Cole, before we get into this album, I think it's really, really important that we set the stage for Good Kid, Bad City. We have to go back. This album was released on October 22nd, 2012. And Kendrick, at this point, he's already been anointed um, by Snoop as, as the next guy out of L.A., the right. person that's going to put L.A. rap back. He has his Dr. Dre's co-sign. He signs with Aftermath. He signs with Interscope. But there's this feeling. He shows up on Drake's Take Care and he's hungry. He wants that. He wants what Drake has. He wants to be the best rapper alive, okay? He's he's opening up for a Mac Miller and a Wiz and a, all of these all of these artists. But he wants to be the headliner and there's this there's something going on in the ecosystem where so many of these heavyweights in the industry believe in Kendrick Lamar. Um and you're wondering this entire time, can he do it? And boy, does he do it? This album spawns five singles. I'm talking The Recipe, Swimming Pools, Backseat Freestyle, Poetic Justice, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. It debuts at number two on the Billboard 200, and it sells an amazing 242,000 copies in its first week. And most people will hear those stats and be like, who cares? But at that point, like Kendrick was not a star yet. Yeah. So to see him do that with his first, like his debut album, is incredible. Can you kind of walk people through the story of Good Kid Mad City? Because when we talk about Good Kid Mad City, we're really talking about the origin of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, it really is like a true cinematic kind of origin story, right? This is like his hero's journey. This is his coming of age story. And it's set, of course, in Compton, California. And the story takes place over one day. I don't know if people realize that, but the span of the album is uh, one day in the life of a 16-year-old kid, Kendrick Lamar, and his friends riding around Compton, getting into trouble. And so we follow them quite literally in the car with them as they are freestyling, as they're doing a home invasion, as Kendrick is lusting after Shireen and, and crosses territory lines and gets jumped. Horny gremlin. Let's be real. <laughs> horny gremlin on this album. <laughs> uh, uh, he was after Shireen in a way that like, listening to the album, like, calm down, take a cold shower, Kendrick. And so, yeah, this, uh, that was, that's like the sin that kind of leads to this really culminating moment where his friends retaliate and they get into a gunfight um, with this rival gang and Kendrick's friend, Dave dies in his arms and you know there's a pivotal scene in which uh, Kendrick and his friends are debating if they should retaliate they're in this food for less parking lot one of them has a gun and what I think is divine intervention or is, is purported to be divine intervention and a true story uh, an old woman walks up to them and questions what they're doing and then leads them into in a sinner's prayer and you know at this point Kendrick feels like he's saved at that moment uh this is a new life for him and you know the the arc of the album is really him experiencing hell and salvation in the same day and and if we believe kendrick it is a true story and 
you know, that's the, that's the story. I think we're going to get into a lot of like the themes of what that means and like his, what it is, his experience means like more generally about what it is to be living in Compton and coming from these communities. But that's the story. And for me, like, if you're if we're looking back now almost like 10 years it's just crazy this is album has been out like it has aged so well it's it aged really well and you know and, uh, me, like i'm a troll and listening to it i was just like oh no this album like has aged like fine wine and this is coming from someone when this album comes out i'm living in philly okay uh going to temple university when I hear back backseat freestyle leaks, when I hear backseat freestyle, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> get this out of here. Okay. I don't think Kendrick Lamar can do it. And he just does. And it's really, really hard to sum up what it was like seeing Kendrick actually make good after years of kind of playing second fiddle to a bunch of rappers who had already blown up before him. Um, and it's just kind of amazing to see. I think a lot of people go back and look at this album and be like, yeah, Kendrick was always supposed to be this. And I'm like, no, I was listening to Overly Dedicated in high school. I was listening to Section 80 and there was no, like those albums, and I mean, mixtapes are fine, think, but yeah, there's, it's, it's not, there's no way you can listen to those mixtapes and be like, yeah, man, Kendrick is going to be one of the biggest rappers of all, of all time. But Cole, I like I remember this moment. I was listening to it in real time. Like I remember being a sophomore in college at Temple University listening to this album. Um you were not listening to hip hop in college, were you? I was not. Yeah, my story is definitely different from yours. Like I was just getting out of college. I I call it the black hole. I was studying classical music and I was like totally new to that world so i had to make all my time free time listening was listening to classical music trying to catch up so then when i emerged out of this like four-year black hole i had not been listening to what was going on in popular music at all and so i always point to like two records that really like reintroduced me to where music was where hip-hop was one of them kanye west yeezus and kendrick Lamar's good kid mad city arguably and kanye west yeezus better than good kid mad city that is a debate for another show, and I love <laughs> you. I love the, you like literally like you were just like no. I mean, actually, that's a great debate. Actually, I would I would have that debate. Um, but yeah, so but specifically with Good Kid, it was like the same with Jesus. Though it's like this jaw dropping moment of like, oh, this is where hip hop has gotten to, and this like in this incredible evolution. I thought sonically, I think Kendrick brings back like kind of the cinematic storytelling that was more common in '90s hip hop with the skits and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's a really important album to me because, because of that. And then the more that I've dug into it, you know, with my first season of dissect, I went into this album a bit and man, it's just, uh, it was, it's been a very big learning experience for me studying Kendrick Lamar and his experience and researching all the references and going down those rabbit holes, uh, because he's talking a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff about this country, about different experiences, and so I really appreciate it. this. This album really has a special place in my heart, and I actually really loved revisiting it. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Before we get into our first bit of the day, I have to ask you, Cole, what was college like? Were you like when you guys went to parties? Were you like y'all just listening oh, to like classic did. music? Like were girls like twerking to like Beethoven and rock? <laughs> Is that what was happening? <laughs> My, okay, my college experience was just like my high school experience. I barely talked to anyone. I was all about, I loved school. Obviously, you could tell I'm like kind of a nerd. I was not going to parties um, at all. How about you? But now, 
you live in uh, it. Like now, yeah, Cole, yep. when I yep. when I when <laughs> yeah. I roll through town to hang out with Cole, so everybody's just like, "Yo, Cole, you coming to this party?" Yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Nah, nah, nah I'll catch y'all later." <laughs> <laughs> I'm hitting the th- I'm hitting the weed with the shenanigans. Yeah, yo, uh, what about you though? I was a nerd. Come on, I was not okay, going yeah, parties yeah, at right. all. Like, okay. you know what I do for a living, Cole. Like, I was not cool. <laughs> all right, and it's time for our first segment of the day called "Damn." That's wild. This segment is all about album trivia. Both of us have gone deep, deep into the wells of Wikipedia, Googles, okay? (laughs) And we're coming back. I'm going to have some questions. Cole is going to have some questions. We're going to see which one of us can get the most answers right for a little bit of the factoids about this album, Good Kid, Mad City. Yo, Cole, my man. Can you guess what artist originally recorded to backseat freestyle before Kendrick? See, my first thought is fabulous because uh, fabulous he re- Why? because well because he he recorded the first version of what became All Right. He jumped on that beat first. Wait for uh, real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous on All Right would have been trash. I'm sorry, Fab. I love yeah, you just can hear it. it. You can look it up. <laughs> Wait, were you playing that song? Just put it in the no, bag. No, I was not. Oh. That was not. <laughs> All right, that would be terrible. You have two more guesses. I will give you this hint. R&B singer. Can't be Drake. Not Drake. Not Drake. Uh, I'll give you know. one more hint. All right, all right. This beat is automatic, supersonic, <laughs> naughty, punk, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was amazing, but I I I don't know anything about R and B, so you're just kind of wait. Dumb. You don't know Sierra? No. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're the whitest man alive, but jeez, <laughs> I'm pretty cold. Sierra, you weren't listening. You weren't one two stepping in in high school. All right, that's fine. I'm. That's the first ding. Cole is really. <laughs> I love you, Cole. But Sierra, yeah, Hip Boy, he was on this uh, interview uh, for Hip Hop DX, and he was saying like. Sierra, the the name of the song for Backseat Freestyle was Hit Boy. Mm. And it was she was literally saying Hit Boy's name in it. I was like, thank God Kendrick got Backseat Freestyle because I can't imagine Good Kid Mad City without it now. But yeah, so now it's your your turn, your your quiz. All right. What was the first song recorded for Good Kid Mad City? Ooh, I'm gonna get three chances. I'm gonna go first. Back boy uh Black Boy Fly, which was on the deluxe version. Negative. Damn. Was it's it toward, towards the end of the album? I'll give you that. Ooh, towards the end of the album. Okay. Sing about me. I'm dying of thirst. Definitely not. God damn. <laughs> All right. One more. Compton. Trey. Yep. 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 Woo! Got up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty incredible story. So, like, it was, he recorded it the very first time that he met Dr. Dre. So he gets this call. I think him and I think it's him and Absol are at uh, like Applebee's, some chain restaurant, and they get this call. It's someone saying Dr. Dre wants to talk to you. They hang up on them, think it's a prank call. Calls back. They ended up realizing this was a real call. Kendrick goes to Dre's studio. They don't say much. Dre just plays him the beat, and he's to write to this Swiss Beats, which becomes Compton. Um, and this is a quote that Kendrick said about this moment. He said. Everything that I worked for, everything that I built up to came down to that moment. 
that moment, I recorded my first song with Dre, which was Compton, which is the last song on my album, Good Kid, Mad City. So if you understand the story of Good Kid, Mad City, where it's this kid growing up in this harsh environment, makes it out, and the crown jewel, the, cr- the crowning moment of the album is Compton, like you re- and that's the first song that he records with Dre, you realize how real this album is. You know, he he is living this story in real time as we experience it on this album. Um, so I just thought that was pretty incredible. Yo, can I say it, it tells you, that story tells you so much about where Kendrick was at because my man was still eating at Applebee's. And he's <laughs> I'm not an elitist, okay? I right, used to right. be an Applebee's server, okay? okay. All right. Every single time, like, I would go up to a table, people would be like, you know who you look like? And I would just roll my eyes because I knew I would get Drake, I would get Kid Cudi, and I would get J. Cole. It, basically, <laughs> for a light-skinned rapper at that point, every single time. It, it just happened. So, yes, like, shout out Kendrick. Wonder if he still goes to Applebee's. He looks like a two for 20 type of guy. <laughs> last, last damn that's wild of the night. What rapper was supposed to appear on Bitch Don't Kill My Vibes remix before Jay-Z? It's not the Lady Gaga story, is it? It's not the Lady Gaga story. Like, let's be for the listeners that don't know, Lady Gaga was originally supposed to be on the hook of Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. I think it leaked, actually. It le- or she released it, yeah. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I, look, can we just acknowledge that it, if you've heard it, it sounds bad. No offense, Lady Gaga. And I love that Kendrick, at this stage of his career, turned down a feature from one of the biggest pop stars in the world at that time. All right. I'm to me, it tells me everything about his artistry. I'm going to be real. Wale had a Lady Gaga feature and that didn't do one. <laughs> so, like, all right. All right. So it's not Lady Gaga. So you have three, three, um, J rock, not J rock. No, it's a legend. Like it's a legend on the level oh, okay. of Jay Z. Nas, not Nas. One more. Someone old, like rock Kim or someone. No, a little younger. Okay. Wayne. Not Wayne. According okay. to TDE President Punch, Andre 3000 was supposed oh, to be okay. on the remix, but he was filming the 2013 Jimi Hendrix movie, Jimmy All By My Side. Ah, man, that would have been great. I, I'm going to be honest. I would have rather had the Andre 3000 verse. Like, yeah, Jay-Z killed yeah. it. Like, honestly, yeah, Jay-Z got yeah. Kendrick, but Andre would have been better. But guys, that's our first Damn That's Wild of, <laughs> of the season. Both of us probably should have studied a little bit more so we could have gotten some of those answers right but now that we set up the history of good kid mad city we're going to debate the best songs in the album to determine the last song standing the single best song from good kid mad city so make sure you stick around for that this episode is brought to you by jiffy lube cars can be a big investment so it's important to take care of them i once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
All right, we're back, and it's nomination time. Remember, the goal of each episode is for Cole and I to determine the single best song from each Kendrick album. The songs we select over the course of the season will then duke it out in our season finale, a Royal Rumble, where we will be forced to agree on what is the last song standing, the single best song by Kendrick Lamar. But right now, we're each nominating what songs from Good Kid, Mad City should be in the running and why Cole. Why don't you do the honors and start us off in round one? What's the first song you're going to nominate, my man? It's tough, but I'm going to start out somewhat tame. I think that we're going to probably, I'm guessing we're both going to agree on this one. It is the pivotal track, Mad City. Coming out hot. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this is undeniable. I think this is on everyone's list, uh, everyone's respectable list. It is a phenomenal song. Um, produced by Soundwave and THC, uh, the first half. The second half is produced by Terrence Martin. So you have this beautiful culmination of two top tier artists that Kendrick works with his entire career. Um, and before I get in, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some nerdy music stuff about it. But before we get into that, what like what is this what does this song like evoke? What kind of emotions does this song evoke in you? The best way I can describe this song, and I was thinking about it once I I read some of Punch's old tweets um, about them trying to make this album like a Tarantino movie. And to me, not only does Mad City operate as kind of the climax of the album. It's also kind of like a great trailer. Right. He touches upon like every single thing that's ha- that's either going to happen or has already happened in the um, album. It's this great synopsis, and it's so forceful. It almost like bowls you over with everything that Kendrick is saying. You have these like yak yak yaks in the back. It's way more energetic than a lot of the rest of the album, but I think it's also it sums up the theme of the album. And I've talked to you about this before. One of my favorite Kendrick Lamar lyrics of all time is when he goes, if I told you I killed a nigga at 16, would you believe me? Perceive me to be innocent Kendrick. You seen in the street with the basketball and some now and later to eat. If I mentioned all my skeletons, would you jump in the seat? Would you say my intelligence now is great relief? There's this feeling throughout the whole project of who Kendrick wants to be mm. and where his home the yeah. nature right. is forcing him to become, to survive in this in this place. And there's this good kid, there's this version of Kendrick that believes in karma, that believes that the bad things that he's doing in life will have repercussions, you know? But there's this other part of him, which is like, hey, I'm this good kid. Why are you, why is the whole world looking at me as if, I'm not. And there's this there's this tension. And that's what I love about Mad Mad City because there's always this thing when I've listened to Kendrick's projects where I'm like, where are the skeletons? You've done so many reprehensible things, or at least you've said you say you have. So why do you think you're a good kid? There's mm-hmm. always that tension with me and Kendrick where I'm just like, are you the good kid though? Is this right. kind of what your music is about? Not wanting to be accepted as this sanctified person, but also pushing against what people perceive you as. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, like, I, I agree with that. I agree that it's like, yeah, definitely like a great representation of this album, which is, of course, what we're going to be looking for in a best song to represent this album. Um, when I hear this, I don't know about you, like, 
it feels like a vivid sonic painting of Compton. Like I feel immersed in the environment. I don't know if you feel that when you listen to this song. Hell yeah. And, and so like someone like me with like kind of music theory background, I'm always like wondering like, how do they capture this in art? Because you feel it so vividly when you're listening. So I'm always trying to figure out like, what are the musical elements that they're doing to, to make us feel this way? Uh, you mentioned like, there's a lot of ambience. There's a lot of like, you'll hear like police sirens and yeah, you got the schoolboy cue and you got like, all these kind of environmental sounds. So that's w operating on one layer. I think another layer is Kendrick's voice is just very theatrical in this song, right? Like yeah. it's panic. You can feel the anxiety and the and the stress weighing on him and just like fearing for his life at all, all at all times. But I think there's some very cool musical stuff that I wanted to just quickly break down. And so I'm going to start with the main riff wait, that we hear. Oh, wait, really quick. Is this our first Cole corner of the season? We going, Cole is ISOing? I'm, I, <laughs> That's yeah, what you're doing now, rock. Cole? I'm ISOing. Let me set the let me set the scene for y'all, okay? He's about to illustrate some musical shit. My man Cole just brought out the keyboard, okay? Like, all right, yeah, Cole, let's listeners, let's uh, let's lounge in our seat and see what <laughs> Cole is about to do for us. All right, so the first half of the song is based on a really simple beat with just a just one main riff and a drum beat, and so the main riff is this one. Everyone knows it, right? Pretty iconic at this point, and this riff just repeats over and over throughout the entire first half of the song. And so, so there's some really dense musical information tucked in here, though. Um, so the intervals, which is just the space between the two notes, like uh, one note and the next, uh, the first interval that we hear is what's called a minor second, this one. So the space between these two notes is a minor second. Makes that sound very harsh, very dissonant, very anxiety-inducing. This is what mm -hmm. you hear in, like, Jaws. It's like classic horror film. And so a lot of the tension that we're hearing throughout this first half of the song is just this re repetition of the, just this really dissonant interval. But then the, th the second interval is what's called a major third. And this is the basis of a major chord, which is a very bright and happy chord. Hmm. So you have this dichotomy between this harsh dissonance and this very consonant beautiful harmonious sound this is going to take us to our reoccurring segment that we're going to call hot or cold take aka is cold full of shit <laughs> this is where i try to convince you of one outlandish theory about the album and you're going to tell me if it's bullshit or not i'm not ready because here's the thing this, this is why we came up with this let's be real you get a lot of flack on twitter a lot of people go at you. Come at your yeah. neck, Cole. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude. You told me You told me off the air, you like, fuck these motherfuckers, okay? <laughs> I got money, bro. <laughs> dissect. I'll dissect your ass. Like, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but yeah, like, come on, Cole, Cole. I'm going right. to be, I, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you if you full of bullshit or not. I'm here. I'm saying. All right. So, so here's, here's my theory. You have these competing, contrasting intervals. Could we say that this is a sonic kind of representation of the Mad City and the Good Kid. 
<laughs> no, 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 I'm not letting you get that one off. No, it's like okay. it's like it's great. I can see it. I can yeah. see it. You're like you're not that far off. But no, I don't think so. Like I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Actually, for the record, you, oh, that's the kind. Of, okay, that's the kind of thoughts that go through my head. That would not like if this were an episode of dissect. I would have thought about that, and I would not have included it in the episode. See, but it's is, like a, this is what the listeners need to know because I'm always <laughs> wondering. Like, do you ever try to like sneak some shit into dissect, and then you like wake up and you like, I was wild, and we got to. <laughs> <laughs> I usually try to censor myself as much as possible. Um, all right, so can I just break down now quickly the second half because it's really cool. Go for it. All right, so the second half takes us into this sample-based section of the song where we hear MC8, who is a Compton native rapper in his own right. Um, and the sample that we hear is from B.B. King's song called Chains and Things. So B.B. King, for those that don't know, is a famous blues guitarist, one of the most famous blues players, maybe the most famous blues player ever. Um and it's really cool because the the string part that we hear is this. So this is playing the same exact interval. So they basically kind of developed this minor second interval and kind of that's why these two halves of the song, sometimes when you have a beat switch in a song, like it feels just like they clipped together two separate songs into one. These two feel incredibly related and I think part of that has to do with this musical connection between that minor that same use of the minor second interval but the really cool thing about this sample is that it comes from that BB King song Chains and Things which was also sampled by Ice Cube in a song called A Bird in the Hand uh, who obviously Ice Cube is another rapper from Compton in the 90s who was very influential on Kendrick and Kendrick actually cites this song in the very first line of the second half he says fresh out of school because I was a high school grad sleeping in the in the living room of my mama's pad ice cubes a bird in the hand starts out fresh out of school because I was a high school grad got a job because I was a high school dad and so he's paying homage not only in the beat that we hear but also in the opening lyric of the that verse and so you're getting like this history to me. This is like the coolest thing about hip hop to me is that when samples are strategically used to build a thematic world. And so we have on this song like three generations of essentially black music expressing the plight of the black experience in America as the foundation of the song. We have BB King, Ice Cube, MCA, and now Kendrick Lamar. And to me, like if we're if we're talking about Mad City being a representation of Good Kid Mad City, but also just this sonic painting of Compton, like we are literally hearing like the history of Compton in this song. Damn, Cole. This is why this is why I let you ISO. That was beautiful. I also Really quick, something that I love about Mad City, I was like, I was reading what Kendrick had said about Mad City, and something he said that was so special is he told Genius when he was annotating his lyrics, I've always been this streamer. I am a realist, but at the same time, what separates me from the rest of my homeboys is the fact that I can dream of this hope rather than just saying, fuck everybody and shit is about to happen. I, mm. what I love about Mad City so much 
is that it does have that duality where so much of Good Kid Mad City, like this is going to be my first hot take. Good Kid Mad City is essentially like a Christian album. Uh, the story is yeah. essentially Kendrick becoming saved, right, meeting yeah. this meeting this woman after he loses um, a dear friend and realizing that there's another path, there's another way for him to really break away. Like you even on Black Boy, Boy Fly, you, you hear how jealous Kendrick is of everybody else making it out of Compton right. and he's stuck. And I think Mad City is such an... In, is so evocative of why someone would try to escape, why someone would be jealous of some people who can get out of Compton. And I think like Mad City to me, the record truly does not work without this song. And I honestly could make the argument that this record, especially when where we're at in Kendrick's life, he needed this record in terms of like live. Like this is one of the first Kendrick songs I can really remember that no matter where he was, would go off live. He didn't really yeah. have a lot of these songs. Yeah. So this is also one of the reasons I picked it, where if even though it wasn't one of the singles, to me, this is probably one of the most important on the project because every single time um, Kendrick would be out live, he could play this song because it summed up everything you needed to know about him. And it's just a banger. Kendrick really can't make that many bangers, but this is a banger. Right. Yeah, and I like it that it's a banger that's true to him. Like, you, yes. like a song like Swimming Pools, to me, like listening back to this album, that one has aged the worst because it feels so much like this is my single, here's this big chorus. And I get like the theme, like the themes of the record are like important and they're atypical for a radio song, but like the sonics of it just feel like this is my single. This feels like a very natural, like to me when I saw this live a few times, like knowing the content of the song, it's really hard for me to like rock out to it or whatever. Like seeing a crowd of people like chant the Pyrus and Crip sing is just so weird to me. Um, but but uh, I, can I just say really quick before we move on to our second nomination, I've never loved you so much, Cole. <laughs> you, like we rarely agree on anything, but re-listening to this album, I was like, at the time being in college, swimming pools was a thing. And the right. irony of that song, Kendrick has said that he made it for this reason is that like, if you shut off your brain, swimming pools is like a frat song. It's a right. frat pro song where you're like, yeah, taking shots. But if you listen to it, it is about the history of like alcoholism and his family and, and just what alcohol can do to a city and everything like that. Right. And but before we move on, this is only because this, I'm going to add one more thing because it's kind of crucial to like this best song conversation. What I love a lot about lyrically about this uh, this song is that it all culminates to this l final line where he says, I live inside the belly of the rough Compton, USA, made me an angel on angel dust. Ooh, and then we hear scratches yeah. of Mad City Compton. And this, obviously, Mad City is the part of the album name and made me an angel on angel dust is the acronym for one of the acronyms for M-A-A-D, City. And so like, if we're talking thematically, in terms of like, yeah, essential song on this album to culminate into the album title and reveal the meaning of the album title as the culminating moment of the song. Like, how perfect is that? Oh, it's amazing. That's that is our first song, our first song that's going to be we agreed, right? We agreed on it. I'm we're probably going to disagree so much on the next <laughs> song. But yo, Cole and I have just picked both Mad City for round one. Can I go for our, our round yep. two, our next song All on the you. list? Yep. Cole, I'm going to drop a hot take. 
What's the best verse on Good Kid, Mad City? Best verse? I think it's the final verse on Mad City, the song we just talked about. Wrong. <laughs> what is it, Charles? Wrong. Have you heard of a, a little guy named J-Rock? In the streets with a heater under my dungarees. Dreams of me getting shaded under money tree. Oh, God. J-Rock's I knew money gonna, trees. I knew is, you were going to come in with this bullshit. Is the best <laughs> verse on this album. It is not. It, what are you talking about? It is so not. No offense. I love J-Rock. It's like not even the top. It's not even the, just like the top five verses. Cole. Cole. Dude. Make, make the case. All right. Wait, first, before I make the, he says, magic rock up in them project where them niggas pick your pocket. <laughs> Wait a second. Biggest order, y'all are with Oh, God. I can't. All right, we should, we should probably say your, your nomination is Money Trees. My nomination, my nominations is Money Trees produced by DJ Dahi. Yeah. Most effortless song in this entire project. I think so much of Good Kid Mad City is so like good, but it's very considered. It's very worked over in a way where to make us an album like Good Kid Mad City work, it's operating on a few levels, okay? It has to tell this story, but it's telling it out of order, um, like a pulp fiction. Yeah. So the story has to be that tight and that good to make us follow it. Right. What also you have to think about is like normally with albums, I skip the little outros where people are talking and the skits. I just do. Nobody really enjoys skits. I don't know why artists keep putting them on albums, but whatever. So the other tricky thing is while you're telling the story, Kendrick has his parents and these friends and everybody coming in and out to kind of guide you through this nonlinear structure for that to work. The skits have to be so perfect that you don't want to skip them, that right. they just feel seamless. So to do all of that and to make hits, to make a swimming pools, to make a poetic justice, that's so difficult. Any other artist would fail, and many other artists have failed trying to make that. I say all of that to say, Money Trees is just the bop. This is the jam. Yeah. And that's why I actually picked it as a nomination, because in an album that's so considered, in an album that is so, so, so hyper detailed, sometimes I just want to listen to a banger. Sometimes I just want to listen to a song that makes me feel good and nothing right. makes me feel on this record. <laughs> yeah. Like Jay Rock's verse on it. And Jay, it okay. broke my heart. It broke my heart, man. It broke my heart. When a couple, a while ago, like a bunch of leaks dropped and there was a reference track where Kendrick's rapping Jay Rock's verse. And I'm always like, Kendrick, if you pen J-Rock's verse, I've talked so much shit on you this entire, like, for years being like, J-Rock okay. got you on your own album. So did, it you, okay, did you actually hear it? Because I only saw that the guy that leaked some songs also said there was a reference track, but I never actually I heard, heard it. it. You did. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I did hear it. And wow. I was just like, I was like, all of my takes being like, how are you going to let J-Rock get you on your <laughs> debut? Like crumbled. And I was like, fuck, if Kendrick wrote this verse. Was it the so same... So the same lyrics? It was the same it just lyrics, like kind of same cadence. So I don't know. It might have been one of those things where like J-Rock had penned it and like Kendrick had performed it being like, hey, can you do it like this? Okay, I right. don't know. Yeah. But what I will say about Money Trees that 
that I love so much is that it gets you into this world where Kendrick is on this precipice of fame, right? He's on this precipice of being one of the biggest rappers ever. And Money Trees takes you back to this moment where I'm going to be real. White people like to say this shit all the time. It's like, money don't. Money can't buy you happiness. I'm like, yeah, people with money say that shit. Like, right, right. I, I, like yeah, money. Yeah, like, yeah. I've gotten money. Like, it makes me so happy. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And there is this feeling in Money Trees it, of Kendrick daydreaming almost yeah. of this life. And I think so much of Good Kid, Mad City is about this escape. Is So much of it is about... Um, about Kendrick daydreaming of what it would be like to escape, to be a good kid that makes good, that can finally get outside of this. Money Trees gives me that like intangible feeling. Right. Um, it's also just like something like hot sauce all in our top rhyming, you bitch. Like that yeah. is such an evocative thing. Like just in that bar, you can understand so much yeah. about poverty of like what it is to like all you can afford is top ramen but if you've ever had top ramen and hot sauce and you have nothing else that that's like a four course meal it feels so good it tastes so good and mm. there's so many little lyrics in this in this song that paint compton in this light and what i love about good kid mad city is if you've ever gone to a hood if you've ever had to live in the hood um I think sometimes in these movies, they're always painted as like hell. And I think Good Kid, Mad City, what Kendrick actually does really, really well, not only on this song, but throughout the album, is he gives Compton a humanity. He yeah. paints it as like, these are all nuanced characters. These are all people. So when his yeah. friends die, you feel it. When his mom and dad talk, the real people with real emotions and real worries and money trees is, does such a good job of like making Compton still feel so familial and soulful. I love money trees. Now you can shit on me loving the J rock verse. Cole, get your shit, get your shit off. Like <laughs> I will say he, he has the best verse on the song. I'll give you that. But like on the album, hell no. you don't wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. The J like you really don't mess with the J rock verse. No, I do. I actually, I really like the verse. I, it's just if you're gonna like throw it in the top five, I'm gonna no. It's a great verse. It's a great verse. But let's not get hung up on that because it is a great song. It was actually on my list. So this is wait, like wait, was, whoa, 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 whoa! Did you also pick Money Trees? I actually also picked wait, Money Trees. <laughs> All right, here's the, for the for the listeners. We don't like before we do these episodes. We do not tell each other yeah. what our nominations are. This is all live. I don't want Cole seeing my hand. I can't believe you you yo ass picked Money it, Trees. Go ahead, Cole. Get it, your shit off. It barely it barely made the list. I was on the fence with it, but. It was, I mean, for all the reasons you laid out in terms of being accessible and just like a feel, like that feel good emotional quality, you can like listen to it in your car. It's like, it's not a heavy song, but it's also hitting all those things that you just touched on the details of living in Compton. Like you're getting all of it in a nice, in a not like Mad City is very heavy. And like, I feel that weight every time Money Trees feels like, yeah, you feel that dream. You feel that kind of that mind, that adolescent mindset in a way that's a little bit more listenable. Um, but when I like, was really digging into the lyrics and prepping for this, like you realize he's actually doing a lot of the thematic stuff. And that's probably maybe why you're not like his verse as much where Ken or J-Rock's like more uh, like a, a character 
Kendrick's doing a lot of narrative work in his, especially his first verse. He's like recapping the story. He's talking about the home invasion that they just did on peer pressure. He's talking about freestyling in the car, which they did on Backstreet Freestyle. He's talking about uh, fucking Shireen without a condom, which is how the album starts. So let's like also a, let's also be real. He says, "Then Usher Raymond let it burn came on, and I want to ask you: <laughs> Are you a fan of Usher's Confessions? I'm not. So Wait, I'm not, what? I, I'm not an R and B guy. Cole." So I'm not going to know cool. your Sierra reference. I'm not going to know your Usher reference. I'm also All right, white. What we're going to do, actually, <laughs> Cole, what we're going to do, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a make a black playlist for you. I'm going okay. to make a nice R&B playlist. Okay. All right? You're going to step a little. I'm going to get you a nice Pinot Grigio. Okay. Because you don't like Confessions. That shit is wild. Like, you're going to love this album more when you listen to Confessions. Okay. All right. You might actually think Confessions is better than this album. Okay. But okay, actually, about that line, have you ever looked at the genius annotations for this line? I have. Kendrick came on, specifically gave a personal annotation to the only, I don't know if it's only this line, but specifically to this line to say that he didn't actually have an STD. He wanted, yeah, to, like he just, he wanted, wanted to, everybody to know. He's like, <laughs> he felt the need. But um, yeah, I think like going back to your points, like I feel like the money tree is such a vivid like symbol, right? It's like this place of shelter, of comfort, of where you're not feeling the heat. And they're talking about hustling from nine to five, whatever they say in the, in the hook. And there, you could just, just get this feeling that they're just expending so much energy just to like make it just to like survive yeah. day to day. And then this, this image of a money tree, the, the shelter and the comfort and the ease of worries that money does provide at a certain level. I think that's really what for me, that's why I ended up making this the, my list because it just that symbol tells so much about this story, um, and combined with everything else. I think also one of the here's my okay here's my theory about the J Rock verse. You know the verse on Devil in the New Dress, Rick Ross. Yes, people like said the same thing about Twisted Fantasy. Ross has the best verse on the album. It's like no, he doesn't because Kanye set set like a silver platter red carpet for Rick Ross to come in and have like a magnificent impact with a very good verse. But like so much of our feeling about that verse is the red carpet that Kanye gives him. He doesn't come into the song till like five minutes after uh, that, that song starts. Same thing happens here. J-Rock doesn't come in until four minutes and 25 seconds. The song could have been over. Yet he comes in and it's almost like a surprise every time because we're used to songs ending like after three minutes. And so to me, like Kendrick kind of gave him this nice red carpet runway. And so when he comes in, it just feels so like surprising every time. And yeah, I mean, not to, again, not to discredit J-Rock's verse, but I think a lot of it has to do with the way that it, the, just his placement in the actual song. But here's and the that, thing. Here's the thing. If I'm going to be real, it's not just that. Like you have to think about what he's doing when he did like if we could play a little bit of his first few bars imagine rock up in them projects where them niggas pick your pockets and the claws don't miss them stockings liquor spilling pistols popping there's like force rhyme going on there he rhymes he force rhymes projects pockets stockings and popping in this way that is like so sublime right. and because j-rock is such a forceful rapper kendrick is very He's very like you know Kendrick's always thinking about what pocket is this hitting the syllables he's making sure everything's pristine you don't really expect that from J Rock when I was listening to J Rock J Rock is more so like a force of nature when he comes on which is also a great way to rap like there's such technical beauty in this verse 
And thematically, what I will agree with you, something that Kendrick told Complex back in 2012, he said, that's where we were at the time. Everything was about money. We didn't care about nothing else, truthfully. Mm. And I think why I love this song the most, and J-Rock helps with this, Kendrick helps with this, is that I think what listening back as as a 29-year-old is kind of so heartbreaking about this is that so many of the choices that Kendrick is making seem so boneheaded. Like, mm. if you think about the consequences of running up in someone's crib and stealing a bunch of shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? When you think about going to another neighborhood to fuck on Shireen, when you think about everything that he's doing, bonehead stuff, teenage right. stuff. Yeah. But being a teenager in the suburbs where I was, like there's guardrails for you. There's societal guardrails that can help you navigate that. With Kendrick, he's reminiscing back on a point where like any of these stories could have gone a different way and right. money trees is this is this song and it's very it's like bright and happy as money trees seems it's like super sad when you think about it where it's just like for a lot of black teenagers compton chicago wherever you want to call it money generational wealth would be right. the things that give them the guardrails yeah exactly. so they're not making a good kid mad city where they have to tell these like right. stories of running up in people's houses and their friends getting murdered right. um, and Kendrick having to like seek revenge and do all of these things. So like as much as like we're talking like Money Trees is such like a feel good song, there is this sinister layer of it of that course, like yeah. being 29 makes me so sad. Yeah, no, I mean that there's a lot of empathy in the song and I think, yeah, again, that comes from just that, that symbol of the money tree and what it represents. But yeah, um, should we move on? Song three? Hell yeah. So, to recap, round two, both Cole and I agreed. Money Trees, second nomination, okay? Now it's the final round. For those of y'all that have forgotten at the end of the episode, Cole and I will both pick one song that's officially going to be the last song standing for Good Kid, Mad City. Cole, I went first. Give us your third nomination. Please don't say we're going to agree again. I don't think so. My number two, or my number, th well, this was my second on my list. Sing about me, I'm dying of thirst. I woke up this morning and figured I'd call you in case I'm not here tomorrow. I'm hoping that I can borrow a piece of mine. Like, I like it. Like, it objectively is one of the most beautiful, poignant songs that Kendrick has ever written. Right. Come on, yo. You scaring the hose, Cole. <laughs> you put this song on in the crib. Like, crib. Everybody's like, the fuck is going on, Cole? <laughs> anyway, okay, get back to your... <laughs> I, I, I'll admit it's not the most, like, replayable song. It's like um, like Mother I Sober on Mr. Morale, where I, I can't listen to it without crying, so I don't actually listen to it all that often. Like, this is one of those... I have maybe five or six songs across anyone's discography that just tears every time I hear it this is one of those songs for me. There's something about the beat. I mean, it's a very simple beat, but there's just so much emotion and like, uh, I don't know, dejection and exhaustion in the beat Yeah, uh, that just makes like a perfect kind of free. Like it, it's like, it's not in your face and it's, it's, it's like kind of like subdued enough to like really let these stories shine. And, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm going, to, I'm going to mostly talk about Sing About Me. I know I'm Dying of Thirst is like tagged on to it, but 
I'm going to mostly talk about Sing About Me. And on that song, there's three verses, each told from a different perspective. And it really kind of like wraps the album up. A nice classic, the way that Kendrick ties bows on the album. This is what's doing that work, I feel like, for me. So the first verse, you're getting like the perspective of Dave's brother. um, who Dave, who's the one that was killed on the previous song. And essentially, he's like just telling Kendrick, like, you know, my brother died in your arms. I have this, like, he says, I have this demon glued on my back telling me to go get him, like, telling me to, like, go retaliate. And so it's like, it's just this thing where they know it's not the thing that they should do, but they feel like they need to go retaliate. And it's just this vicious cycle that Kendrick is kind of bringing up time and time again on this album. The second verse is from the perspective of Keisha's sister. Uh, Keisha is a, is a sex worker that was featured, her, her story was featured on the previous album, Section 80, and the perspective, and she, this sex worker died in a car by a client. Um, and so Keisha's sister comes on, or the perspective of her on the second verse and says, basically kind of choose Kendrick out for like putting her sister out there. And you come to realize that she is now a sex worker. And so I know there's some like controversy with that, but I think if we're just saying thematically, conceptually, what is this doing? It's again, Kendrick trying to point out this cycle, like this cycle, these cycles that people in Compton are not able to escape. Uh, because now she is a sexual worker following in her footsteps. Um, and then the third perspective is Kendrick. And he's really just trying to like make sense of everything he just experienced, trying to make sense of these stories, what his responsibility to these people in his community is. And it really kind of culminates into what is the resolution of the album, where they, they're they in that Food for Less parking lot. Uh, they're, they have the divine intervention and Kendrick is saved. And I think this thematically does so much work and if we're thinking about again best song it's do it's hitting all the points for me it's hitting the conceptual arc it's, it's capturing that and doing a lot of work there lyrically it has some of his best storytelling i think some of his best really potent lyrics in this for in, in this song and production i would say probably not the standout but again it's serving a purpose so that's why i chose it I know we're going to disagree on it, but oh come on, I'm not. I'm a, not an asshole, Cole. <laughs> Sing about me. I'm dying of thirst. Is a beautiful song. Yeah. Um. I never listen to it because it's one of those songs where you're just like, it's the equivalent of going to a museum and being like, I objectively know that this painting is a masterpiece, but come on, what what am I going to do? Uh, Sing about me. I'm dying of thirst. I do think is probably one of the most important songs, not only on this album, but in terms of Kendrick's discography, because I say this a lot, just about rappers that I cover in, in my day job is having to have been a music journalist. Who's talking to a lot of young kids who come into a lot of money. I think a lot of this thing about me, I'm dying of thirst is like, I don't think your average person understands the weight that a lot of young black rappers are in where you come into wealth sometimes generational wealth millions of dollars more than generations have ever seen and you want to tell your story but there's this other responsibility of you want to tell the stories of everybody who didn't get to make it because i think the insidiousness of racism and ghettos and what mainly poor people of color have to deal with is the fact that so much of it is luck. So much of it is lottery. 
I don't think Kendrick survived because he was more t- uber more talented than the next person. I like I don't think like it's luck. And I think probably if you talk to Kendrick, you'll be like, yeah, like the bullet could have hit me at right. any point. Any bullet, yeah. any stray bullet could have hit me. Any like any I could have gone out one day and something went wrong. One one move and I'm on another path. So I do think the thing that you see throughout Kendrick's career and it really starts on Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. So with each subsequent album, he always kind of has that one song where he's still trying to wrestle with what is it like being one of the biggest rappers of all time and of a generation and still having a home and still knowing people and still knowing stories that either you need to tell or are hard to tell or people that you're letting down. Um, And yeah, Sing About Me, Dying of Thirst is just beautiful. It is like a really beautiful song. Just hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's all, that's very true. Like in interviews, if you go back to this time, like he's talking exactly what you said. Like, he, he references that house, like that near house arrest on peer pressure. Like that was a real thing. They could have got arrested for robbing that house. It could have been him that was shot, not Dave. It, all these things that I think partly on this album, like lead to him feeling like he was chosen, that this was divine intervention, that he made it out and then feeling that responsibility to tell these stories. And then also not really knowing how to do that. I think that's why he's kind of wrestling with the Keisha's sister specifically. Like he, did this thing on section 80 that he thought was going to help you know at the end of that song keisha's song he says that he sits his sister his his younger um sister down to, and played her the song um in order to like inspire her not to live that life and like that you can just not saying that that's gonna work but it's like that was his mentality creating these songs and then kind of realizing there was some backlash there and maybe he didn't do it in the most graceful way and i think he's been wrestling that with that since this album, like how to tell these stories, how to yeah be that famous rapper, but also recognize and don't forget about this this place that you came from and the stories and the people there. J Rock even said a similar thing about his Money Trees verse, where he was saying like that that opening line that you referenced, saying he's got it, he moved out of the projects. He's, he was saying that like that was very difficult for him, despite it being a poverty situation. Like he's that was his home, that was his family. Um, so I think that's that's all very true, um, and I'm glad I'm glad you like this song. I'm glad you just didn't totally yeah, shit on it. Of course, Cole. <laughs> I'm not a troll. I know. Okay, I, know. I have a heart. Can I tell you what my nomination for yes. number three is? Because I I'm, I almost pick sing about me. I'm dying of thirst, but I'm like, oh really? Okay, that's the critics' choice. Come on, yeah, yeah. come on. Don't like so. For my number, my nomination number three. <clears throat> Smoking on a vinyl dope. I I I I drinking till I can't no more. I I I I really I'm a sober soul, but I'm with the homies right now. Woo! We got the art of peer pressure. I love this song. The art of peer pressure is like, I think it's probably one of the best examples of storytelling on this entire on this entire project yeah. where he tells this story of this home invasion this one that i think was very very pivotal pivotal because like in interviews he's just like yeah like to your point cole he's like i could have this could have been it you know he right. could have been in jail tde shit all that shit's not happening right and there's this beautiful in the chorus because it's split up into two parts this is um produced by taboo um, 
that line and mommy used to say one day it's going to burn you out mm. has been kind of seared into my brain right because it's so beautiful when kendrick was talking in interviews he was talking back then in 2012 he was talking about how his parents their parenting style how they were so hands-off because they knew that he was just going to go do the shit anyway. Mm. And he tells this story about he did something so reprehensible, so bad that his parents like kick him out for an entire summer. And he's Mm. like hopping over the fence to the backyard, cutting the lawn, being like, hey, can y'all let me back into the house, please? And it's like, it's stuff like this. It's stuff that his dad, who is like, comes from this life who moves from Chicago to give Kendrick a better life. He's like, yo, I know what you're doing. Like, why are you doing this? Like Kendrick and songs be like, yo, like my dad said I needed a job. I didn't believe him. Like there's this, there's this feeling on the art of peer pressure that I think is like, actually as much as we talk about sing about me, I'm dying of thirst and mad city and all these songs. I think art of peer pressure is actually one of the foundational legs of good kid, mad city, because it is this song where you're learning about, um, where you're learning about these friends and wh- and what inspires somebody like Kendrick, who's a smart kid to do dumb ass shit. Right. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing that he is going to gain. There's no amount of money. He's really going to gain from running into this house, but there is this level of like, yo, they're just listening to Jeezy. Jeezy's popping back then. There's this, there's this, ultra masculinity, this hyper masculinity of just like, I need to prove myself. Mm. And I think such a thematic element of good kid, mad city is that the thing that connects him to Dave free, who's now his partner um, and was foundational early in his career and throughout his career is that Kendrick's telling the story where like, he's not a gangbanger. He comes from this place, but he's not, he's of this place, but he's not doing the type of things that someone like a snoop, you know, immortalizes someone like an easy E immortalizes Tupac, all these people like he's this good kid who's removed from it. But this is the, this is the moment on the album where he's like, I was a good kid, but also yeah, I was getting into it. And like, there's this level of detail kind of the last thing I wanted to zero in on is, um, it's 2.30 and the sun is beaming, air conditioner broken, I hear my stomach screaming, hungry for anything unhealthy and if nutrition can help me, I'll tell you to suck my dick, then I'll continue eating. I like love that level of detail because yeah. it is this thing where like, when I was when I was in Philly, living living in Philly, there was this thing of like, man, kids was eating like hot Cheetos at like 8.30 a.m. And there was this like feeling of like, these kids aren't up because they want to be. Like these like kids who are on my corner, like getting that work in, don't want to be here. There's this right. anger of just like, yo, I know my life is fucked up. I know that like, yeah, should I be eating like a nice wholesome breakfast and like trying to do something? Yeah. But when I need to survive, when there's this like, there's this kind of like beast behind me that's saying like, yo, no one escapes from here. So either you're going to make money, we are talking about money trees, or you're going to die. Like, that's what I love. There's so many across this album, but in Art of Peer Pressure, there's so many little details that like Kendrick's really painted for you. I just love, I love the Art of Peer Pressure. Am I wild for picking this for third? No, I was debating. So truth be told, I was debating between this song and Money Trees. So really, yeah, it was close. It was close to my nominations. I love this song. That the piano intro is so beautiful, and then when it gets into the actual beat and the storytelling, like the beat is so minimal, but it's it's so perfect for the kind of night ride he, that he's describing. Like you could just 
picture yourself in that car at night riding around like it's just kind of murky but there's a solid kind of beat behind it um yeah it's just so vivid and like i usually don't like skits within the song but it the way that he does that, we made a light, right? We made a left. Yeah, he's like, I hit the back window with search of Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. He's by the screen, CVs in the truck. He's like, we made a right. They made a left. They made a right. It's like so yeah. vivid because in that moment, like your mind immediately yeah, starts yeah. like filling it in. Yeah. I love that part of the song. Yeah, it's so great. It's like, yeah, it's it, the skits on this album are just so top tier that I just I don't, don't skip mind. them. I don't yeah, skip I don't them, skip which is them. weird. Yeah, it's like it's so great, and to know that those are like his real parents. I don't know who did the acting for the the friends, but everyone on on it did an exceptional job. I don't know Kendrick was there coaching them, but yeah, I love this pick. And it's interesting because he did a performance, like that retrospective performance. I can't remember where it was, maybe Coachella or something, where he performed songs on every album, and he had these big like projections um, behind him when he was performing certain songs from the album. Oh yeah, so I remember this, yeah. When he got to Good Kid Mad City, he specifically called out this song and said that the piano chords in this intro is what inspired the entire album. Which mm. I thought was like a cut an interesting nugget. I would never have thought that. But then actually when you listen to like Mr. Morale and all the piano work on that CD, you he's always been drawn to these very lush jazz chords a la to Pimp a Butterfly. Um I just thought that was a very interesting nugget that that's what inspired the album was the intro to peer peer pressure. Damn, I did not know that. Hey, Art of Peer Pressure. This is my third pick. Guys, that's the end of the nomination process. Okay. Cole's first nomination, Mad City. Second nomination, Money Trees. Third nomination, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. My first nomination, also Mad City. Second, also Money Trees. But I deviated. I picked the Art of Peer Pressure. Now, it is almost time. For the for the climax, for the part y'all been waiting for, Cole and I are going to have to pick what is the best song on Good Kid Mad City. But before that, we already know what y'all are gonna say. Y'all gonna say, are y'all on that weed? Why did you pick my favorite song? So before we get into the get into why y'all are here, let's talk about some honorable mentions. Or let's even talk about why some songs didn't make it. I think briefly we talked about with a bit, one of the biggest songs from this project, Swimming Pools. I'm going to be honest, Swimming Pools just didn't, we don't have to relitigate it, but it's like, it's just aged the worst. It's yeah. like, it, it just, I don't, I get why it's on the project, but it does seem like the one song where I'm like, you were trying to make a hit. And it's the only one that dates it. They're, like what I love about this album is that the sound of it is timeless. It doesn't sound of its time to me. Yeah. Except for when I get to swimming pools and it sounds very 2013. Because it has it has the T minus beat. And at that time, right. like T minus was like working with like Drake and Wayne, and his sound was so pervasive. And like I love T minus. He's one of my favorite producers, but I agree with you. It, like, it sounds like 2012. Right. And it's a good song. I like it, but it's, yeah, it's just a little dated. I think another one for me, I was debating, also a bigger song. Talked a lot of, about it a little bit, but Backstreet Freestyle. It didn't hit all the marks, but only because like, I mean, its function is to put you in this adolescent mindset and just like yeah. ridiculous lyrics and just having fun with your friends in a car freestyling. So it... That was really the only reason why was just the substance for me was just not enough to put it into that top tier, even though I know it's serving a, a certain function. But as a song, just a standalone song to put on a playlist, like 
I love it. Like it's, it's probably the song that I want to play in my car the most aside from money trees. Oh, backseat freestyle is like, was just under like mm. it was in contention, but I agree with you where I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't really capture everything that's great about Kendrick. It, captures this one really, really good part where it's like Kendrick has loved rapping and loved the art of rapping since he was a child. And this mm. perfectly illustrates someone who was in that mindset. It's just like, it's n there's better songs on the project. And I think as much as this is probably one of the Kendrick songs you can throw on for anyone and they're going to have like some fun rapping along to it. Didn't make it. Here's, can I do a, can I do Charles's trolling corner trolling for soup? Can I troll you really quick? All right, yeah. Like this is actually like my hottest take probably off of this album. Yeah, let's hear it. So this is going to be a recurring segment, right? Yeah. I don't know if you're ready for this, Cole. I can't stand bitch. Don't kill my vibe. I can't stand the song. I I've hated bitch. Don't kill my vibe. It, that's actually what took me so long to really get into the record. Um, is bitch. The, is it the, I, is it his voice? So to paint the picture for people like back in 2012, we're at a point where hip hop is slowly morphing and becoming more melodic. Um, we had had T-Pain and Future and Kanye and everything that's coming out of Chicago is very auto-tuned. Everything that's coming out of Atlanta is very processed. Um, and we're getting to this point where if you want to be a rapper, you have to have some type of melodic inclination. Yeah. The problem with Kendrick is he's just not a good singer. He just does not have that type of voice. So what Kendrick would do is he would do this hyper process alien type vocal. Yeah. Don't kill my vibe. Don't <laughs> kill my vibe. And every single time I hear it, it the way it just hits, I would just say, like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing, bro? Like, throw some auto tune on this shit, man. Like, I can't, See, I, I can't for me, deal with this. <laughs> for me, I, it took me a long time to warm up to this song, and it's definitely not my favorite. It's actually crazy that it's one of his biggest singles still to date. Um, it's a huge song. A lot of people love this song. And I've, I've grown to like it. It's, again, not my favorite song. And the verses, I actually really like the verses, and I like the beat. I like the remix actually a lot better. I um, like the remix so much better yeah. like because the way kendrick is rapping and like jay-z there's just yeah. a little bit more aggression where yeah. i love his original verses here's the thing it's the hook that does it i actually think the yeah. verses on both versions are very very good it's just the hook that is so like dude what are we doing here right yeah so for me i think my song that and i'm surprised you haven't brought this up because it seems like like in your lane but poetic justice hell no but, you know like hell no no, I don't like Poetic Justice <laughs> at all. Re-listen okay, to this then. album. Like back when Poetic Justice was out, like it was like, uh, like it was cool. It was a vibe. I didn't mind it. I'm going to be honest, man. It's just like, whatever, like fine. Yeah, it just has, it's, it has, it has the swimming pool quality in a different way in, in that it sounded like he was trying to make a hit. He like had the Drake beat, on the, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like the beat itself begs for a hit and i think if it was drake's actual song he probably would have made it a hit but i guess it was a hit in its own right but i don't know it's the, it's the if i'm if i had to pick like a skip on this album which i don't think there is because they all kind of serve a purpose and they all flow very well together but if i had to was forced to pick a skip i think it would be poetic justice yeah here's the thing and i'm not like i don't want to make anybody feel bad like poetic justice is like a good song in a vacuum but if we're like talking about like Music I want to play in my whip, you know the Coochman. You play Eminem in front of your old lady. Like I'm not playing Poetic Justice. Like come on, no, right. I'm not doing that. So, is are there any other songs that that were in contention for you before we move on to the to the finale? 
I just will shout out very quickly. Good, I love Good Kid, the song Good Kid. Um, that's so haunting and the so weird. Um, I know it's probably not the most popular one. I think it's one of the most least streamed songs on Good Kid, Mad City. But I personally really like it. I'm my last is just, we don't have to belabor it. I love Black uh, Black Boy Fly. I know it's like not technically right. on the album, um, but I listen to the deluxe because we're listening to all of the Kendrick albums. But like I love Black Boy Fly, and while I hate the recipe. Yeah. Are you listening to the recipe remix with Black Hippie? It just it did something to me. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, guys. Now that we've made a case for what songs from Good Kid, Mad City are in contention for Kendrick's best album of all time, each of us must choose our last song standing, the song we're bringing to the season finale, Royal Rumble. And guys, we're gonna let you know. There's no cheating on this podcast. Once we pick our song, we can't go back. Next episode, we can't change this shit. We can't change this shit. This is, we're sticking to our guns. This is the song we're calling the best off Good Kid Mad City and in contention for the greatest Kendrick Lamar song of all time. So, Cole, it's time for us to put on our big boy pants, all right? No, I didn't pre pick this out. I was allowing our debate to like try to sway me some way. Did you pick yours out beforehand? No, 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 no. I thought, I thought maybe you would, you would help me a little bit, but. Yeah, I came to this fresh. I was just like, this, this is going to be off the cuff. So who wants to go first? You want to go first, Cole? Should we do a one, two, three? Say yeah. it simultaneously. <laughs> Let's do a one, two, three. All right. One, two, three. Mad City. Ah! Wait, you, you didn't say first. anything. You <laughs> didn't say anything. Purpose. That was on purpose. <laughs> God damn it. I wanted us to disagree. I'm I going know. Mad City too. I'm yeah. going Mad City too. Here's the thing. We can't force a disagreement. We'll disagree enough. We're going to disagree. Let's not. Yeah, yeah. When we get to, to Pimp a Butterfly. Oh, oh, my God. oh, my God. oh boy. We're putting boxing we are gonna gloves disagree. on for that. <laughs> but here's the thing. It has to be Mad City to me because it hits so many of my criterias of yeah. it's a hit. Yep. It is live. It works in terms of like when people hear that song, there's a visceral emotion Yep. It does such a good job. I think Kendrick does a good job throughout Good Kid, Mad City of t- of always kind of reiterating what the themes are, what the story is. But I think Good Kid, uh, Mad City actually does a very, very good job of yep. illustrating every single thing that's happened so far or is about to happen. And it's just like, it's so dynamic. Both of the beats, it's some of his best rapping throughout. It's just everything I love about Kendrick. It has to be Mad City. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, I think it's the obvious choice. Maybe I, I was. It was between this and Sing About Me. I think I thought you were gonna pick Sing About Me. I thought like Cole, like I'm like Cole's the type of dude to pick Sing About Me. It's, well, I came into it thinking I was gonna pick Sing About Me. I was, I was, I was sure that I was gonna pick Sing About Me. But once I started digging into some of those things I brought up in my kind of dissection of the song, I just kept getting every. It was just nugget after nugget after nugget, and I was just totally blown away by all the layers of the song everything you just talked about i think one thing i'll point out that i didn't think i, I mentioned before i love like part of me is what lo- i love about kendrick Lamar is the way that he u- uses his voice as an instrument so much like it almost becomes like part of the production now i mentioned like those first two verses he sounds very panicked but when he gets to that pivotal last verse that you quoted about him saying that he like might have killed someone at 16 and he does that voice effect where it yeah. goes from the high voice to the low voice and it's panning in your left and right speakers like cinematically like 
surround sound and it's like you're getting i think this is like literally the good kid and the mad city i don't think that's a reach like i think he's expressing that dichotomy that push pull that tug of war between him being a good kid and the mad city trying to pull him all these dark places and so yeah it just it's it hits every single not even for this album but for a kendrick lamar song it hits every single point yo Cole, before we before we leave the people, first we should let them know, hey guys, we're gonna give you a little treat. Episode two, we're doing Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. We want to give you two big two big episodes back to back. Anyway, guys, yo, that was our first episode of Last yeah. Song Standing. How are that you feeling? Fun. That was fun, feeling? man. That was great. Hell yeah. Yo, I think we need to shout out some people who who made this podcast possible. Everybody, I'm new to the Dissect feed. Thank you so much for listening and being a welcoming family. Thank you to Cole, you know, the hostess with the mostest. But there are some special people we have to thank. Thank you so much to my producer, uh, Justin Sales, our audio production editor, Kevin Pooler, and Devin Ronaldo for that sweet theme music. And most of all, thank y'all for listening once again. Make sure you go to Dissect Podcast, Charles X Holmes, wherever you get your socials, and argue with us. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us what song we should have picked, all right? We want to get into the muck with you guys, all right? I'll stand by my pick. What about you, Cole? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll see y'all next week.